Moshon is a fresh of breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love eating it. Most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? It's still swollen. It kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank you for that. Stitching you guys. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, stay focused. Um, work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It feels a bomb. It feels a bomb. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Halloween Nation, welcome everyone to episode 86 of the Way Not Funny Sports Podcast, the number one celebrated podcast about sports, entertainment, and everything in between. We are your hosts, of course. I am Matt Greco. He is Tony Ambrose. Tony, what is going on? Rick Bates is back and we're going to the Super Bowl. Witty Nation, Rick Bates is back. What's up, Matt? What's up, Witty Nation? Good evening to you. Good evening to all. Good evening everyone i thought you were gonna go somewhere different with that i came up with my, okay. my own this week little song parody oh well why don't you I, feast our ears that that i thought was like a shoo-in for what you were gonna choose Interesting. Uh, i came up with a little no no no, no. hold on let me stop you right there okay let's let's restart the show roles reversed try it out try it on for size what's up Woody nation re- welcome to the number one celebrated <laughs> sports podcast i am your host of course tony ambrose he is Matt Greco, Matt, what's going on? Celebrate Rick Bates is back. Da, 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 da. There's a party going on at One Bills Drive, a celebration that secures the O-line. So bring your wing hats and your nicknames too. We're going to celebrate because Rick Bates is back. Come on now. <laughs> what's up, Tony? What's up? What do you wow. A whole, a whole verse. Oh, my God. <laughs> really bring it. You clearly had it prepared in your notes. And then Clearly I also think it's did. a little bit unfair, borderline toxic, that you had a whole verse of parody prepared in your notes and then try to come down on me that I didn't have that. Like I was going to match you in that. I didn't, I didn't come down on you that you didn't have as much as me. I came down on you that you didn't choose the very obvious celebration. Right. A little celebration. Oh, I like that even better. See, oh, okay. we should have collabed on this. Take, I guess so. I Take guess it so. to the writers' room, baby. <laughs> we really dropped the ball on that. <laughs> See, I thought I thought I was going with the low hanging fruit. I thought I was like too obvious. Like, well, when someone comes back, of course, my boyfriend's back is the number one first thing to enter anybody's mind. Right, right. Of course. I mean, yeah. Here we are. Either place here. <laughs> uh, I would agree, listeners. Listeners, you got two intros for the price of one, so already starting off the bang now i hope traveling growler plans on paying us twice they don't pay us at all (laughs) the gentleman's agreement oh all right well then i want an extra growler why did you bring the oranges you've forgotten what it's like to have no oranges oh well you can have an extra growler koozie tony i'm sure we can just hit up traveling growler and ask for one they're very generous and very great company by local of course tony we didn't even say where to find the podcast we can be found as always, part of the Built in Buffalo podcast network. Go follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Witty Sports 716. You can follow everything Built in Buffalo is doing at Built in Buffalo underscore Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, taking over. 
Tony, we talked about Rick Bates. We're going to probably get more into Rick Bates when we talk about our bills. The other big story, I guess there was a stadium deal. That's pretty big. But anyway, outside of the sports realm, Will Ferrell slapped Chris Rock. And I don't know if you heard about that. Uh, I beg your pardon? Will yeah. Ferrell slapped Chris Rock now? Will Ferrell. Chris Rock is getting slapped all over town. Yes, apparently. Will Ferrell slapped Chris Rock after Will Smith did it. Hmm. Well, I mean, we something are taught to turn the, Will, the other cheek. The Wills in Hollywood are conspiring against Chris Rock and having a oh slap early. Who's next? Will? Arnett. No, th- thank you. Yes. I was Forte. Will Forte. Forte is about to get in on the slap game. Well, no, Options. Chris Rock is not safe. There's too many Wills. I would say any Chris William. Rock, is, Chris Rock is not safe. Prince William? Bill, Prince William. Bill Clinton? Bill Murray? Bill Murray is ready to get some slaps in. Oh, my gosh. Chris Rock is in no man's land right now. Slaps from Wills and Bills alike. Tony, I'm sure you've seen the Will Smith slapping of Chris Rock at the Oscars. It's all anyone could talk about because nobody else talked about anything regarding the Oscars. <laughs> because no, I feel like nobody watches the Oscars. Agree. I anymore. woke my girlfriend up from a dead sleep to tell her it happened. So Really? It's that yeah, big? I wow. See. Oh, yeah, it's big. Did you think it was Gee. real or fake? I pretty much thought it was real, but I thought it was real because I had seen a few confusing tweets on Twitter that caused me to tune in and then kind of like backtrack a little. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of, I think, influenced my perception of it, uh, that it was probably going to be real because a few reactions I'd seen from live tweets. I thought it was fake until Will Smith sat, sat back down and said, keep my wife's name out your effing mouth right. twice. And then it got uncomfortable. I'm, I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, this is real because you have a room full of actors and big wigs in Hollywood. And would Will Smith, I guess, sabotage his personality, his ego in front of all these people for a bit? <laughs> and I, I don't think that'd be the case. Like he ruined his reputation. If he had a good one, which I'm assuming he did, or Will Smith's I feel like pretty likable. So yeah, I, I thought it was real and it was unnerving. It was uncomfortable for a viewer. Chris Rock took it like a champ though. He, didn't, he did. He, he was didn't a consummate professional. Stumble. Yeah. Like he didn't stumble. He, Physically took it like a champ. He, Mentally took it like a champ. Yeah. Yeah. Performance wise. Yeah, like right, yeah. He was witty and funny. We should get him on the show. Oh, we should try. Can you reach out to his agent? Yeah, we should get. Yeah. Let's see if we can get Chris Rock on the show. Okay. <laughs> what about his brother, Tony Rock? Traveling growler, start to fork it over. Oh yeah. boy, here we go. <laughs> Tony, but the Will Smith Chris Rock incident made me think about my favorite sports fights. Who out there in the sports world oh. is battling, whether physical or non physical? I thought we could give the listeners, in honor of Chris Rock and Will Smith, what our favorite sports fights have been or we've seen. Of course, we were born in the 80s, so we haven't seen anything really prior to that. <laughs> but what we what we know. So, Tony, let's do three each, as we always do. I'll, I'll start it off, if you don't mind. I don't I mind, am... as long as you don't take what I want. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Go ahead. I, I will not. I'll try not to take yours. But if we have the same one, that's fine. We can both discuss it. Uh, I'm going to start off with what I think is the most memorable sports fight. And it was memorable because of one uh, maybe multiple psychotic moments of the same incident but i'm going to the 1997 
Mike Tyson and Vander Holyfield heavyweight boxing match where Mike Tyson bit a piece of Vander Holyfield's ear off. Mm-hmm. That just sticks out to me as such a memorable sports fight altercation moment that will live in infamy. That will live on forever. People will talk about Mike Tyson biting the ear off of someone. And this was pre-face tattoo owning pigeons Mike Tyson like this was he's a bad guy like in the ring but not crazy and psychotic this was the start of that breaking point I feel like and it's a moment that will live in infamy and still does to this day how many ever years later 25 years later because Mike Tyson recently came out with I don't know if you saw this he's now selling edible weed gummies in the shape of the bit off ear from Evander Holyfield Mm. And I don't know if Evander Holyfield is getting royalties on this. I hope he is. But what a flex that is. You bit this man's ear off, spit it out onto the canvas for all to see. And now you're profiting off of a weed gummy company with this bitten piece of ear. Mm. That's a flex if I've ever seen one. That's a big flex. It's kind of like the way that Randy Johnson's photography company is a, the symbol of it is an exploding dove. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's I didn't flex. know that. That's, <laughs> that's amazing. a flex on. Yeah, that's a, that's a flex on the entire um, bird kingdom. The whole sky. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Watch out for Randy Johnson photography who killed that's birds. Right. <laughs> and on the topic of the fight, for, for me and for many of us, this was maybe one of the first times that I was like cognizant of we're going to sit down and there's a big sports events on and it's boxing. Because it's not right. like boxing was, I, in my house, boxing was not on TV a lot. Right. Uh, but, and I do remember, I do remember the, like, notion of, like, this is what we're going to do. And, like, we're going to watch boxing. And then we're, like, watching boxing all day. And then I remember in this first sort of, like, foray into, like, I'm really watching and understanding boxing. Then he bites the ear and we're, like, flabbergasting. Like, that this is the direction this has taken, especially for me as a young age. And then, of course, I remember Yaya's Chocolates, downtown Lancaster location at the time. Next day, what were they selling? Chocolate ears. Mike Tyson oh. chocolate ears. Shout out Yaya's. Shout out to Yaya's. A lot of memories for us Village of Lancaster guys right. growing up there on the corner right. of Clark and Central in, in uh, the current Valence Meats location. <laughs> hey, we location know Valence Meats. We, yeah. <laughs> we know Valence Meats. We know. We know them. We know people. We know them. We know them. <laughs> Tony, before we get into your first pick, uh, the Sabres are nine seconds away from winning <laughs> on this mm-hmm. RJ Rick Generate Remembrance Night. Yeah, so He's in the tunnel, um, ready to come out. He's in the tunnel. Uh, I, I feel like at that point, like he's in the tunnel. I feel like Nashville should just let the Sabres win at this point, right? <laughs> like They're going to look like real jerks oh, yeah. if they score in these nine seconds. Oh, yeah. But this man has broadcasted for 51 years. And you're gonna blow his night in nine seconds. You're yeah. You're gonna put this thing into overtime over that. Come on. No. And no, we know gotta, we know what Nashville's bringing to the table, but even even not that bad. Just let the Sabers. Crowd is on their feet. Point. Oh yeah. Hold out crowd for the first time. Oh, this is good. Uh, good for the Sabers. In ages, absolutely. <laughs> really, yeah, really ages. give me a lot of FOMO. A lot of FOMO for me tonight. Yeah, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. It's one of those moments you wish you were in the building for, for sure. Absolutely. Oh and especially knowing only weeks ago how easy it would have been to be in the building since the demand on this game just skyrocketed recently and skyrocketed hard. Right. Oh my gosh. Four seconds now. Nashville's really trying to trying to be the villain here. 
Yeah, really trying to rain on this parade. I know. This is awful. Mm. Oh, boy. Anyway, live commentary from the Sabres here. Should we just wait on this until this game is over? I feel like this is the only thing I've paid attention to. I asked you this before, but to the listeners, were you upset RJ didn't announce this game? I was a little upset. I was a little thrown off. I was a little, I, I expected him to give him a segment, announce the game, but I, I totally understand him not doing it. I mean, his whole family's there. Like he doesn't want to have to go to work and be separate from his family. I can understand just relaxing and taking in and enjoying a game. And it's yeah, not like I, it's I, his last game announcing or was supposed to be true. like, he's got still it, got games left, you know, it does feel like that though. There it is. Oh, it's over. They won. Oh, thank you. What a crazy game. This would have been a great game for RJ to announce. Four to three, Sabres win. <laughs> yeah. He could have done so many of his classics, like Mama Hides the Cookies. Yeah, could have just done, done a real, you know, encore of the greatest hits. Sold out, high-scoring game. The Sabres win. They play an exciting style now, very offensive-minded. They score goals. They look like they belong. I feel like because this is a full building, this is a good, like, jumping-off point for the organization, for, like, crowds to be more than... 4,000 or whatever I'm it was early like in this. Mild, I know. I'm actually mildly concerned about the idea that if I do want to go to a Sabres game for the rest of the season, it's going to be crazy expensive. Economical price. <laughs> yeah. Prices are just skyrocketing as this game is happening. Right. Oh, here we go. Oh, here they go. They're doing something. Oh, yeah, see, Tuck. Tuck. I like it's how Tuck. Tuck is holding it. It better be Tuck. I mean, Tuck he's is... The, he's a future captain. They're doing yeah, the stick slapping ceremony. This is nice. RJ. Like, he, he's someone who understands and heard RJ's voice. Yeah, that's a good point. As a kid, he like grew up we a all Sabres did. Fan. Can we get this man a carpet mm-hmm. so he doesn't fall on the ice, though? I was thinking that too, yeah. Mm. <laughs> he is very old. This is nice. What a, what a night. Mm. For an organization that hasn't had a lot of great moments to speak of, now a team picture, this this is a good moment. Yeah. They look so happy, too. I think it's the first time I've seen in the last five years a Sabres team smile as one. Yeah, like gen- genuine smiles. Like See, genuinely scratches coming out nice in their on their uh what do you call them not overalls suspenders and their suspenders yep yeah that They're is one genuinely having fun genuinely have happy genuinely playing well and there's genuine mm-hmm. hope in the building for this team what what a moment if I if I cry on air don't don't judge me Whitney Nation please it would be the third time I shed tears today <laughs> what if RJ's the first star? the first time over Rick Jenner. Yeah, Rick and RJ is the first star. That's how they do it. Uh huh. Is he? Yeah, they, yeah. He announced RJ is the first star. Do you like how they uh, retire or put on the banner RJ? I think I do. Are they retiring RJ? Like, if someone comes in, like, <laughs> sorry, so, sorry, yeah, like Rick if, James. <laughs> right. I was gonna no, say, like, if, you're not, you're you know, not the only RJ. If Robert, anymore. if Robert Johnson gets drafted by the Savers, right, he's got to go by Bobby from then on because. Yep. There's no more RJs anymore. I thought they should have just done like a microphone or something. I thought that'd have been like as his number. That would work too. Yeah. I just feel bad oh, for oh, any oh, RJ oh, that comes. <laughs> oh, that was a nice moment. All right, back to fights now. <laughs> yeah, let's talk some fights. All right. What's your first let's choice? Put a black eye on sports. Well, you know, as we've been saying tonight, Matt, we we're recording as the Sabres game, RJ Knight has been coming into play. I think there is an obvious first round pick that we have to do. It's got to be Ottawa versus Buffalo Sabres. The the Ottawa fight, the big fight. Brawl from, for all. Yes, the big yes, the big <laughs> brawl, of course. I think we all have that imagery, great memories of that night. I know I was hanging out in Grissom Hall in Fredonia 
the downstairs suites, hanging out with a sweet and sweet 104, always brought it for the Sabres games. And I would go down there and, you know, this was at a time where the Sabres were a lifestyle. And so uh, it was great to uh, experience such a legendary night with those guys, a night that is talked about time and time again to see that brawl. That's, I mean, that's the ultimate fight, I think, for so many Buffalo sports fans. Got to be that. Such a, such a memorable moment. Yeah, great choice, obviously. Two things stand out to me with that fight. One, how Ottawa was just naive to the fact that they had their first line guys against our, like, just goony guys on the fourth line. Like, Andrew Peters was mm-hmm. going against Daniel Alfredson. <laughs> you put the goons against the goons. I don't know what Ottawa was doing. They were just asking for their stars to get hurt in that moment. And then second of all, one of my favorite things in hockey ever. I love when it happens because it is so awkward looking. Goalie fight. Marty Buran. Love it. Ray Henry. And side note, what was Marty Baron thinking? Ray Emery has a picture of Muhammad Ali on his goalie helmet. The guy is a, I'm guessing, a good fighter or knows what he's doing. Marty was just out of his league from the start and, and got walloped because of it. But good for him for representing the team, for standing up for the team, partaking in the festivities. But he's not in the same weight class as Ray Emery. But just, just a memorable moment all around. I also think in many ways that was a huge night for the legend of Lindy Ruff. And I feel like in watching games leading up to that game, I was continually seeing Lindy Ruff get more and more agitated, just calling out refs and fantasizing. I'm like, Lindy Ruff is just going to attack this ref. Lindy Ruff is going to punch the ref. I'm ready for Lindy Ruff to punch this ref. I'd be so excited. (laughs) And like kind of rooting for him to just like completely blow a gasket. And then this fight happens. And with the coaches cussing each other out, and Lindy Ruff falls over next to Rob Ray and Rob Ray is clutching his microphone so that the expletives aren't flying into the broadcast. He's oh, in between man. the coaches. It's just, it was great. Right, of course. Yeah, it's just so many great aspects of that broadcast. So many great aspects of RJ's work that night, of course, as we as we have to yep, send it back to him to, on his yeah. night. Yeah. Right. Yeah, great, great choice. That's the fight. And yeah, come on. That's the fight. The, that's the fight, exactly. That is the, that is the fight. I can't make a second pick. <laughs> Tony, my second pick, I'm going to the NBA. I know Buffalo's not an NBA hotbed, but uh, one of my favorite ongoing fights is Robin Lopez versus NBA mascots. His career-long crusade to fight NBA mascots. Every stop he's in, every away game he participates in, he is fighting an NBA mascot. And I was pulling up some quotes from Robin Lopez, and apparently this is tracing back to uh, his childhood where he has this or he established this angst for mascots in general he's quoted as saying it's funny because i can actually trace it back to maybe third or fourth grade i went to a santa clara basketball game thunder was the warriors mascot at that point he was signing autographs and asked for my name i had a speech impediment so i said wobbin instead of robin and he signed it quote to robin where's the w <laughs> So that is the origin of Robin Lopez's beef against mascots. Check out the YouTube videos. Just type in Robin Lopez mascots and you can find a a collaboration of of Robin Lopez fighting mascots, doing pranks on mascots. Um, It's it's great. I I love mascots, so I'm not very fond of it, but it's very funny what Robin Lopez is doing in his career long crusade against mascots. So that is my second choice. With my second round pick, I'm going to take it back to 1992. Me and many other fans on a night such as tonight, as we alluded to it being RJ's night, probably been watching a lot of old Sabres 
clips and calls. And I'm going to take it back to a game against Quebec where a fan came on the ice during a big brawl. And this fan wanted to maybe get involved in the activities a little bit. And he sure as, sure as heck did because Rob Ray took him down. And I don't know if you've ever seen this video, Matt, but Rob Ray landed about four or five punches on the back of this guy's head before the cops came and took him away. And so I kudos to Rob Ray sort of on protecting the ice and keeping it for the professionals. But wow, did he really, he really wailed on someone who was not well prepared enough to try and take on a professional athlete such as the 1992 Sabres. Have you seen this video, Matt? I know about this. I haven't seen the video. Um, oh, okay. 21-year-old was... inebriated fan jumps the bench and decides, uh, I don't know, he's going to get in a fight with probably yeah. one of the tougher guys in the NHL. <laughs> well, yeah, it's my understanding that he he goes, he sits on the glass, goes over the glass, is close to then the Sabres bench, and then gets kind of uh, dragged into the Sabres bench, and a bunch of Sabres are just holding on to him while, um, while he's kind of like, keeled over the boards and rob ray is just is just landing punches on the back of his head uh as the oh, as the security approaches what did this guy think he was going to do like take on the whole team I, <laughs> I mean i think in quebec they make a lot of bad choices that's probably true uh that, that no that's a good choice that to watch a, an athlete like just just pummel a fan is is always funny um part of my take has a big cat part of my take has a rule that uh, an NBA fan or an NBA player should get to choose a fan and just like beat the crap out of them for five minutes every season. Like every <laughs> NBA player, because the NBA fans sit like so close, obviously courtside, like they're so right. In, they're, they're in such close proximity to the players that, you know, they're John at the players, whatever they're. So an NBA player should be allowed to pick a fan and one time in a season and beat the crap out of them for five minutes. I think it's a good rule. So, yeah, no, it's very funny. I don't know what that guy was thinking. Tony, I, I want to do a, do a callback to my second or, yeah, my second choice. Weren't you a mascot for high school? Uh, I've been a mascot at many levels, my friend. Okay. So how would you feel if a player started beating you up? Uh, I would say be happy to be a part of things. <laughs> no, uh, I, I uh, if a player started beating me up, I think that I would not... I mean, I don't know. You're so padded in those things. I think I would. I was going to say, would you fight it. back or would you just like, would it be like Jerry, like knocking George around well, in his Gore-Tex coat? That's kind of the, the latter. For sure. The latter. <laughs> uh, in times, I mean, I, and I've worn many, co- I've worn many of these mascot costumes in my day. And I know that the way mascot technology for costumes has evolved, it's definitely more like George and the Gore-Tex. But my biggest fear would be, I got to keep this head on my head. I cannot traumatize the kids. So you're thinking about, so yeah, yeah, in that, in that sense, uh, I don't know how I would react. I, I I would react. I would just have to get out of there. I think that would be my reaction. Like I I have to escape this situation before this head comes off. And that's exactly what I would do. I would would sprint away if if needed, but I would have to de-escalate. Keeping your head on. Out of there. Yeah. Keep your head on. Yes. (laughs) Got to keep my head on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. That is, that is a valid point guys. I was, uh, one of my childhood memories uh, of mascots was being at a Buffalo Blizzard indoor soccer game. For those who remember the mm. Buffalo Blizzard, uh, their mascot, Spike, I don't know what he was exactly, but he's some kind of Ooh, monster. A dog, thing. like a Dalmatian, right? No, um, was he a dog? It didn't seem like a dog. I don't know. He was something. Mm. 
But uh, he, during a halftime show, did a flip on a little trampoline and his head came flying about 20 feet ahead of him off. And you can hear. Oh, my in, God. It's simultaneously all the kids in the uh, audience just gasp at the same moment. Like, like all the all the dreams were shattered. And that one moment Spike's head came flying off. So I appreciate you just even having the thought of I got to keep my head on because I think that's very important in the mascot game. Yeah, I would uh, say it's Tony, pretty important in the mascot game. Yeah, of the most importance. Uh, Tony, my third choice, I'm going with the obvious uh i'm going back to the nba because one of the most memorable fights that i can remember there's a netflix documentary about it is the malice at the palace detroit pistons indiana pacers ron artest laying on the scores table after getting into an in-game altercation with the player laying on the scores table has a drink thrown at him a beer thrown at him by a fan ron artest jumps into the crowd all hell breaks loose he punches a guy who is not the guy who threw the beer, but the guy next to the guy who threw the beer. So Rod Artest punched the wrong guy. <laughs> it was obviously chaotic. Security, police, the whole shebang. One of the most memorable things other than Ron Artest, of course, was a fan stormed the court, approached Jermaine O'Neal, and much like the Rob Ray situation, uh, Jermaine O'Neal just clocked him like down in one punch and i'm in my head watching this i'm just like what is that guy thinking like you're going against a six foot nine uh athlete 20 something year old athlete in his prime do you think you have any chance in this fight as a i don't know frumpy middle-aged man <laughs> and the answer obviously is no uh based on the result so it's obviously a classic uh, fights it is again infamous it will be talked about forever uh it'll be the benchmark that other fights are based on so uh, my third choice is the malice at the palace the malice at the palace had to be a part of this conversation you cannot talk about sports fights without talking about the malice at the palace it was something we all woke up to if you didn't watch it, like I didn't, because I don't watch very much NBA, you know, right. here and there. But it's something like you wake up to and it's just like, like you're in a parallel universe that this happened, that this is what you're seeing on SportsCenter, that this is what is happening in professional sports somehow. So this just, actually like, happened. This just, yeah, this is pure chaos of humanity happening. You in also this, never in, thought in, it would get to that point. Yeah, like, that's exactly NBA what I mean. fans sit so close, like in such right. close proximity and... Nothing's, you know, there's been some minor altercations, but nothing that um, escalated to a complete crowd arena brawl, pretty much. Um, mm -hmm. It was nuts. Corey, what is yeah. your third choice? Ooh, okay. So with the last pick in this draft, Mr. Irrelevant, so to speak, there's no one else that is more appropriately referred to as irrelevant than Cole Beasley. So I have to go with... <laughs> Cole Beasley's biggest fight, Cole Beasley versus Twitter, for Bart, an ongoing fight. And really, you could take this in two Nobody directions. wins. <laughs> yeah, because nobody wins. You could take this in two directions of uh, Cole Beasley versus his own social media addiction, as he has self-proclaimed several times that he's gotten off of social media for his own mental health, and then somehow always finds his way right back there. Or you could do this in terms of Cole Beasley picking i shouldn't even say picking fights but engaging in fights right. uh, over various matters of the sort 
and just really taking too deep of a dive, crossing a few too many of the lines that is probably for anybody's good. We don't need any of that. It's a fight that I am glad is not showing up too much often anymore. Cole Beasley versus Twitter. Riding into the sunset. Go bring your social media somewhere else. Antics yep. somewhere else. Yeah, uh, obviously that was uh, very much in the in the lexicon of, of Bill's Mafia talking points this season. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, good good riddance, Cole. Uh, have, have fun wherever you end up. He still hasn't signed with anyone, surprisingly. To at CB's 11. That's why I'm thinking, like, he still hasn't signed with anyone. And I mentioned it when we just flat out released him instead of trading him because I thought there was still some value for him, but maybe there's not. Maybe teams just don't want to deal with maybe a declining player who – who has some off the field things an organization has to deal with. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he pulled a Will Smith in terms of his reputation, maybe, but also but, to know, to know that, uh, you know, there's, there's some wide receivers out there. Wide receivers can be a dime a dozen. There's always wide receivers that emerge that you've never heard of that are all of a sudden become stars every year. Um, right. And very, very deep wide receiver draft. So every team can probably think that Colby can be some some semblance of like a backup plan to maybe what is a, a better, cheaper plan for themselves. Yeah, that's a good point. I'd be surprised if he gets signed before the drafts. I think teams will probably draft and then see where they land, and then if they have a but I still so. have a need, still yeah. have a need at wide receiver, then I think Cole will get a call. But Tony, a couple honorable mentions that I have marked down: uh, Eagles fans versus Santa Claus. Uh, famous Eagles fans booing Santa Claus for whatever reason. The man is completely wholesome. Uh, I don't know how you can boo him. Urban Meyer versus wife or Urban Meyer oh, versus uh-huh. college co- college males <laughs> stealing the oh, okay, the, girl, okay, okay. the girls from the bars. <laughs> you right. can go either way with that. Pedro Martinez throwing a 70-year-old Don Zimmer to the ground by his head was very funny to me. I remember that one. Um, funny? It, like, Man, that triggered it, me so hard when that happened. It, it, was, it, was, wrong, it was wrong in every way. Like you should like the man is an, an elderly man. Like, you shouldn't get into a physical altercation with it. It just seemed very like three stooges esque to me. Don Zimmer's like wah, 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 coming out. And Pedro Martinez just like grabs him like Kona clutch, two hands, side of the head, and just toss. I don't know. Like it's very funny. It's wrong in every way, but it's very funny. I have sons and four guy from last year being the crap out of the Nuggets fan and then just flexing mm. on him. Sons and four. Uh, that guy rode that 15 minutes of fame as much as he could and good for him. He had a barstool t shirt from him. He had an action figure made of him. He joined the club circuit where it seems to be only for like ex real world cast members. Like come, come out to club stir and see. I don't know who tech from real world Hawaii, <laughs> like the sons and four guy <laughs> joined that, that group. Yeah. Thank you. So uh, he had his Gotta moment. Be out of he, a... Go on. No, I was going to say he had his moment and he, uh, he wrote it into the sunset. Good for him. There's a, like a promotional, like a promoter agency that's called 15 minutes or my 15 oh. minutes. And they, they specialize in taking people who have like these viral moments and getting them to squeeze every dollar they can out of that moment before they fall back into obscurity. Why didn't we think of this idea? Damn. I know. 
it's like a, it's like um, a lot of people in the political world end up joining uh, my 15 minutes, like especially if they were like fired from the Trump administration, okay. like then they would then they would get into my 15 minutes. And then that's like all of a sudden that's why like, you know, Sean Spicer is is like, you know, a guest judge on Dancing with the Stars or something like that. I don't think that ever right. happened, but it's like those are examples. Yeah, of, uh, that's a great of that's a great idea. Things. Yeah. Well, it's like people are in their my 15 minutes promoter. Yeah, I know. I know. That is a good well, idea. That's how you get um, it done. <laughs> Two other ones I had real quick. Uh, the Ryan Brothers versus Nashville Bar Patrons. Can't be, can't be in the same bar as the Ryan Brothers in Nashville. They'll fight you. Sorry. Nope. Uh, or anywhere, and, really. And the ultimate fight, I think, and Bills fans know this, of course, Travis Henry versus Condom. The man has a lot of kids, don't he? Ooh. He's not winning that fight. That is... That is my understanding too. It is Travis Henry. He he doesn't have a good he doesn't have a good background with condoms. That's for sure. <laughs> no, he does not. Or so we uh, assume. Or, so we or Antonio Cromartie versus condoms. None of these men. A lot of these men condoms. <laughs> you, you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also have a lot so of that... I also have a lot of these athletes versus the American legal system. <laughs> yes, that is the ultimate fight, of course. Uh, <laughs> Boltman, uh, the Chargers mascot versus the American legal system. It's also fun. Tony, we got a lot of Bills news to get into. That's our fight draft. We'll put it online. Listeners, when we hit it on Twitter, put put in the comments your favorite fights uh, if we missed any. Tony, but let's get to the Bills because we got a lot of Bills to talk about. You ready? About time. Let's go. It's about time. Take it away. Marv, we'll be back after the break. Oh, go. Bills fight. Bills go. Come on, let's win for Buffalo. And we're back. And we are back. And we are back, and we are back, and we're back. Tony, Bill's news to get into. We mentioned it at the top of the episode. The biggest news, Ryan Rick Bates is back. Tony, let's flash back to last episode. We were in a mood. We were emotional. We were saddened. You were in the acceptance phase that we were just going to flat out lose Ryan Bates to the Bears, who offered him a four-year, I think, ended up being like a $17 million contract. I was uh, not quite at the acceptance phase. I was in the denial phase. And in our in our mind, I think we were both almost there. He was pretty much gone. Brandon Bean, in Bean We Trust, leaves no doubt in our mind. He brings Rick Bates back. He matches the contract. I don't like that he waited so long. I don't like that he waited the full five days from when the Bears offered him the contract. I would have done it, you know, five minutes after the Bears offered the contract. I would have said, yes, we're matching. but. Regardless, Ryan Bates is still a bill, and we can all breathe a sigh of relief that our sweet prince is back in the fold. And that secures the offense a lot. We had so many concerns. Like, if Rick Bates leaves, I don't like the the look of this offense aligned. Now that he's back, I am completely confident in this offense line. We're good. We don't need to draft anyone. It is solidified as solidified can be. Tony, uh, how are you feeling this week knowing Ryan Bates is back? Jubilant. Uh, relieved, fulfilled are all great words to describe how I feel about the situation. Um, I would say that the the biggest the the relief you kind of alluded to is that you know when I'm on line doing mock drafts in my spare time and boredom, it's really nice not to have to worry about um guard or at least to only be thinking about guard depth. Um, I would like I do think we should draft an interior offensive lineman this year for sure, at least one. Uh, but to have him and Bucker back is just a tremendous relief. I believe so much in Rick Bates. So I am super happy and relieved that he's back. Uh, and I 
am also kind of thinking slash wondering. I'm, I'm surprised the offensive line is staying this consistent with a new offensive mm-hmm. line coach who you might think might have, you know, different ideas or prototypes and the kind of offensive lineman he wants. But uh, I don't I, I guess Rick Bates is Cromer approved. And for that reason, everyone in the situation is Tony approved. <laughs> yeah, you figured when OG Bobby Johnson went to the Giants along with Dable, uh, you, you thought mm-hmm. they would maybe you know, lose a guy like Ryan Bates and the Giants would offer him a contract that the Bills couldn't match. Well, they did. And his name is Feliciano. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I'm okay with. <laughs> Me too. Take take him. And it, take I, I wouldn't him. be surprised if they signed Daryl Williams at this point as well. But yeah, no, I, I'm surprised uh, there, there's a consistency there as well. I'm glad there is. Uh, I think as all Bills fans know, and, and I really feel like the O-line really gelled in those last that last quarter of the season going into the playoffs. Um, and Ryan Bates was a big part of that, obviously, when he was inserted into the starting mm-hmm. lineup. I mean, he played so well. Feliciano, who started the season starting, could not get his job back. So right. you bring in an all-pro guard like Saffold now, who's worked with Cromer in the past, played his best football under Cromer with the Rams. I- I'm I'm liking this offensive line more and more now that Rick Bates is back in the fold. Uh, I just think it's it's going to be great. And if it means Josh isn't getting hit as much or if he has more uh, protection, maybe they can run the ball more effectively. That That's all that's all good. I mean, I don't want to see Josh have to. The thing was, like, Josh put so much on his shoulders. And we talked about this in past podcasts, like because of I feel like some of the deficiencies of the offensive line. And yes, it was Spencer Brown being a rookie. Yes, it was Feliciano or Daryl Williams or whoever not named Ryan Bates being in that guard position, Cody Ford, not being very good uh, many times. So and many times throughout the year last year. Uh, and I thought Josh was due to his talent, due to his immense talent was making up for a lot of the offensive line deficiencies. Ryan Bates gets in the offensive line becomes more consistent. I feel like they found an identity in terms of using their athleticism. Ryan Bates is much more athletic than a guy like Daryl Williams or John Feliciano or Cody Ford. They can get out in zone blocking schemes and and really move the line to scrimmage and and really help Josh out and help the running game out. They ran, I think, I think they ran like I'm trying to think of the numbers here. I think they ran like almost half a yard better on run plays, like yards like per average or average yards per run when Ryan Bates was inserted in the lineup. So not only on the field, I think they improved, but off the field, I believe the offensive line got like closer in the offensive unit in a whole became more comfortable with Ryan Bates in there. I mean, you had Sean McDermott this week at the NFL coaches owners meetings down in Florida saying Ryan is a really good player. He's also a really good person. And I think we see that like, yes, he's a good player. Yes. They, a guy traded for him. Yes. This is a guy they value and they see him now four years being, if not a starter, at least a very, very good depth player who's versatile along that offensive line. As we mentioned last week, who could play all five positions along that offensive line. But how Sean McDermott talked about how he's meant a lot to our football team, and no matter what role he's been in. And I think we saw that like when Ryan Bates came in and started to get this kind of like fan notoriety, like kind of like the legend of Kiko stuff, like all this, like, oh, who's this Rick Bates guy? And interest started peaking within the fans. Like you see Josh start talking about him more. And like I just feel like he was this glue on the whole offensive unit. And even when I think they matched. I think Diggs tweeted out about how like 
my man or something when they announce Ryan Bates is back or something. So I could not be happier. Uh, complete 180 from where I was last week. <laughs> so glad to see it. Glad to see it. Huge relief. Great human being. Maybe the greatest human being in America. <laughs> right. It's interesting because I don't know how Ryan Bates is going to be able to practice as much because he will, I will be writing him in, in every political ballot that I, every political vote that I can cast on my ballot. You're out I am putting Ryan Bates, Ryan Bates in. Bates he is, is he is, he is the leader we need on he this is. line, in this life. I mean, what is it going to be like at training? I camp, love, I love you, Ryan Bates. What's up? What's it going to be like when you go to training camp this year? Like, forget Ooh. you, Josh Allen, forget, oh, there's. There's Brittany and Josh. Like, nope, sorry, Ryan Bates is is over here. Gonna go see Ryan. Bates, well, that will be right? something I would be curious because that will be something I would be curious about. Because will the Bates family reveal themselves? Will Brittany be inviting them into the hive? Ooh, interesting. Where interesting. Yeah, I mean, now he, you know he's here long term. He's really solidified himself. He played himself into a job last year. Now we have to see how it pays dividends. You know, long term. He also played himself into Josh's heart, I feel like. He played himself into all of our hearts. That's true. That is very true. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll see if the Queen Bee... jerseys? I'm going to get one. Oh, I think they have to now, right? I, I, I kind of think so. I'm going to keep an eye out for that. I mean, they have the custom ones, but they're always more expensive. I'm sure if you DH-gate it, they can make anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good call. Those knockoffs, they have... You just send them the name... They might get it right. They might not. But you're rolling the dice. And that's how you get a Bates jersey, I think, in this economy. We'll have to to do a little uh, research here. I might be blowing all my money on one of these uh, game-worn auction jerseys from tonight's Sabres games. We'll see how it goes. I thought you were going to say the the game-worn Bills jerseys that they did last year that you did not invite me to. Oh, oh, the summer garage sale? Yes, the summer garage sale. Oh, I didn't go to that either. I thought you got a jersey from it. I did, but I didn't go. I I just oh, you like, some... I, I was yeah. Who'd you get, Jerome Felton? Yes. <laughs> okay. Have you worn it yet? Yeah, I wore it to a couple of games. Oh, okay. Anybody say anything? Yeah. Oh, nice. I get some. I get some comments. I get some comments. Nice. Always good to have a fullback jersey. Fullbacks underappreciated. Well, shout out Reg- way... shout out Reggie Gilliam. Oh yeah, I like Reggie. Athlete. What what happens with this jersey is like the shoulders get so poofed that people think I'm wearing shoulder pads. So a lot of people will be like, wow, that guy's in shoulder pads. Or they'll just touch my shoulders. And then I'm like, what the heck? And then they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were wearing shoulder pads. Why, why would, regardless of whether you're wearing shoulder pads or not, why would they touch your shoulder? <laughs> Who, who's, who's that inclined to feel for shoulder pads? If I saw you, I don't if know. I saw you, with, been drinking if I saw all you morning. with the what inflated do you want? jersey, <laughs> if I saw you with the inflated jersey that looked like you were in shoulder pads, my first inclination would not be to, hey, I'm going to walk over to that guy and touch his shoulder and see if he's wearing shoulder well, like pads. Well, like they, they like, you know, like slam their, slam their hands down on my shoulders, thinking of their shoulder pads there. It's not like they're touching. It's not like George touch, feeling the material of the women at the elevator. <laughs> it's not like they're just touching uh, my shoulder pads. Like they, you know. So they could, so they they could physically just, harm you because you're not just, wearing shoulder pads. Well, yeah. We might know, have to do like our, we might have to redo our fight rankings. It might be, Bills fans versus Tony's <laughs> fake shoulder pads. It, well, that now that would be a fair fight. <laughs> but everyone's very nice about it. But I mean, they've also oh, been drinking good. all morning. So it's, you know. Yeah, that's true. That's 22. You're really. So that's my lifestyle. Fire. <laughs> Jerome fell in jerseys, punching shoulder or hitting shoulder pads and uh, tailgate drinking. That, that's Tony's life. <laughs> that's, that's a Sunday. In a that's nutshell. a Sunday in the fall. 
And the cherry on top of that Sunday, you mentioned it. Ike Bakker's back. <laughs> Ike um, I, I like him a lot too. You like Ike. You've mentioned it before. I know you like yeah, Ike. I, like uh, I just think he's a great depth piece. He he comes cheap. I think you can only sign for about a, a little over a million, a million and a half, somewhere on there. So I think he's just great depth for uh, the cost. It, it almost feels like a like a Levi Wallace esque player of like, yeah, we know he's going to be solid if we have to play him, and he's going to come cheap for a long time. And that's what you get with Ike Bakker. I feel like I guess. See that this is a good comparison with the Levi Wallace situation. He's someone who's worked his way up into the starting lineup and doesn't really feel like he's really supposed to be there, but no one's unseating him either. And then Ryan Bates unseated him, as might happen. But it's yeah, I'm happy. I also see him as a very solid depth piece. I see him as someone who, if he fits the Cromer mold a little bit more, uh, he could very easily be the starter. Um, he's you know earned the starting job before and. I'm happy he's around. He's a good, he's a good solid depth piece. And he's someone else who take, pardon me, takes the burden off the draft. And now we can worry about the players that are going to make this team better than last year, not just replacing for last year and hoping that it works out equally as well. Right. Speaking of burdens, do you think this, do you think this means the end of Cody Ford? Oh, I hope so. (laughs) Of course we hope so, but I'm speaking about like hope, hope versus reality. I mean, you pretty much shored up your offensive line, like I mentioned. So you have Bates, you have Bacher as the the depth backup piece, and it's for a year, but you know they could resign him, of course. And you have Tommy Doyle still in the mix as a young guy who got some playing time. And we got we have like nine picks, and we have nine picks. I'm guessing they draft someone as well. So usually they only roster eight linemen, or you know activate eight linemen on game days so uh, i don't know the numbers aren't working in cody ford's favor right now to me he might he might have this revitalization under cromer cromer might get something out of him that bobby johnson did not but sometimes it just comes down to a numbers game and i don't know it seems like cody ford's days are numbered unless he flips the script here it's gonna take a lot to flip the script for me (laughs) on cody ford um (laughs) Tony, the other big news is, well, I guess, I guess, I guess there's two big news, big pieces of news. Uh, new overtime rules. Thank you, Josh Allen. I think that's mm. like the minor big news. <laughs> um, yes, I would say so. They changed it to now. Regular season still the same, could end in a tie. Uh, but playoffs, so when it comes to playoffs, each team gets a possession. So I think that's the only thing that changed, honestly. <laughs> like, doesn't seem like anything else changed. In terms of like sudden death after that, or I don't know. I, I'm just glad like Josh Allen played so well, a Bills player played so well that it made the NFL reconsider, not only reconsider changing a rule, but actually initiate that change. So uh, that kind of warms my heart a little that a Bills player had that kind of influence. There you go. I'm happy it's like that. I, as I said, I think in the podcast and of us analyzing it, I think that, you know, a, a tie represents. 47 or 48 players producing the equal amount, producing equal exuberance as the other 47 or 48 players. So to say this is, we're just going to limit it to 11 versus 11 or whatever, 22, you know what I mean? You got to get everyone out there. Everyone should be a part of this tie because everyone was brought to, everyone contributed to that tie. So I'm happy that every everyone's going to have the opportunity to have their redemption on that game. Yeah, my mindset is I'm glad the rule changed, but also it never should have gotten to that point because the Bills should have played defense for 13 seconds. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, 
But I mean, if the I'm Bills just, play, if the I'm Bills play defense for 13 seconds, there it, does this happen? Does this rule change happen? I don't think so, honestly. Because what um, happened in the Chiefs Bengals game I, I was kind of similar, so. but I, I don't think it was like as like impactful as what happened in the Bills. So let me ask you this, man. Yeah. How how much did that 13 seconds do you think play into the decision to not bring Levi Wallace back? Oh, that's a good question. It's obviously pure speculation. We would I have nothing like, to back it up other than our thoughts right. on how who on who we think Brandon Bean is. I think I'll say thirty five percent. Oh, interesting. So significant, but not a lot. I think it was more. I think Levi Wallace's departure was more uh, based on the fact that, and maybe these go hand in hand. Honestly, like the thirteen seconds and what I'm about to say, and what Brandon Bean said is. You know, we're looking for more speed. Like Levi's great. He's mm. solid. He's great in his role. Plays the zone defense. Sean McDermott init- or installs very well. He's not fast. And I think because Levi Wallace isn't fast, I think that's why they played the way they did in 13 seconds. It's because Tyreek Hill burned them. The previous drive is why they played the way they did in 13 seconds. And Tyreek Hill burnt the Bills defense because they need more speed especially in the cornerback position at that point. I, I don't think it was the sole reason, but I, I think money was the sole reason. Um, I think they put a lot of emphasis on just, you know, a full upheaval of the defensive line, like a full reversal of mm-hmm. the defensive line. And what their approach was prior is is totally different now with all the new additions. So that was my, that was my thought of why, I think that's the 65% of why Levi Wallace wasn't signed because I think there was such an emphasis on the defensive line. But I think Bean did want his secondary to get faster. Um, Micah Hyde isn't getting any younger. Like Jordan Poyer is coming up on a a new contract extension here soon. Tredavious White coming off an ACL. Hopefully he recovers fully. By the way, does it bother you that you haven't seen any videos of Trey, Trey White's rehab? Like I see Jameis Winston rehabbing from the ACL. I see all these other players like, you know, doing what they can. Who else just came off an ACL? Like I saw another player doing like exercise. I haven't seen anything from Trey White in his rehab. And I'm a little concerned. I, this didn't cross my mind until this moment, but I don't see Trey as, yeah, I don't, I don't see Trey as someone who needs to have videos out there like that. I respect what he's doing. I respect that he's working hard. I also think, Maybe it's a little smokescreen action. Maybe we don't want our opponents to know if Trey will be ready for the regular season or not. Ooh, I like that. I like it too. McDermott keeps things close to the vests. Doesn't really yeah. divulge a lot of information, give the media a lot to work with. Uh, yeah, very well could be the case. Uh, is that the reason those 13 seconds that you think Levi Wallace is no longer a bill? I think he contributed. Yeah. I mean, I think that you could, on a, on a simplistic way, you could say, Clearly, you know, the Chiefs are still the mountain we have to get over. And who caused us to not get over it? Could be Levi Wallace, among others. So that, you know, that maybe is a decision that uh, that you kind of take a look at. Right. It's a contributor. It, it, it's interesting. Tony, the biggest news of the week for the Bills, stadium deal finalized. The Bills are remaining in Buffalo for at least the next 30 years. And that and that makes me, I mean, that I think that's the big point, obviously. Because throughout our lifetime you know when ralph died there's always been questions about relocation and will the city support a new stadium and uh will the new owners keep the bills here like just there's always been this talk and now i feel like for the first time in since i can remember i feel like solidified in the fact that the bills are staying in buffalo 
in the prime years of my life. So I, I have some some solace there and some comfort there. 30-year lease, 1.4, 1.6 billion. What's what's a couple billion here or there, Tony? Um, or a couple million, I should say. Yeah, I mean, it, it had to be done. Uh, the, the 300 level is falling apart. It is not a viable uh, safety seating area. The Ralph is the third oldest stadium in the league behind Lambeau and Arrowhead. Like this, this is, this is a good thing. Like money aside, like public's paying two thirds of it, maybe more, whatever it happens to be. The bills are staying in Buffalo. And I think that's the most important point of this new stadium deal. I would say that I agree with you. There's a lot to analyze as far as the deal goes. And there's a lot of what are your armchair, political and business analysts that are coming in doing it. My kind of initial thought is, well, I have two, two initial thoughts on this. The first is, you know, you have one party running and negotiating their way through a, a business deal. You have another party negotiating their way through an establishment political deal. And when you have those two kinds of deals like that are trying to in some way like blend together so that everyone kind of gets theirs, which I guess in essence maybe makes it more of an established political deal. But it's like, what do you expect to have? What did you expect to happen? There's also no, there's also no leverage that um, the state has uh, or that, or that, you know, the Pagoulas have all the leverage in this. So um, Mm -hmm. I'm happy that it, so I'm, I'm happy that it turned out uh, the way that it did and the way that it did is that the bills are staying here. We're getting a new stadium. It looks like it's going to be pretty nice. Here's my other thought on the real stadium in terms of it looking like it's pretty nice. They say that and they account, they have the seats and they account for about 5,000 people who can go on a party deck. Yep. Matt, don't waste my time with these 5,000 people. <laughs> don't waste my time with this party deck. Why? I'm saying, I don't, I'm I don't saying no party deck. I'm saying I'm saying I'm anti-party deck. I'm, I'm saying if you are coming, uh, 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 you kind of fell apart there in terms of our connection. What'd you say? Well, I'm saying I w- I'm anti-party deck as well. I'm anti-party deck. I think, and this was actually in a Bills survey. I went off on the idea that the Bills are encouraging these other aspects of the game within their within their game experience. This is years ago that I remember writing this because I'm like I don't want. If you're going and you think, oh yeah, I'm going to have a great time on this party deck. No, if you're save your partying for the parking lot. We have business to take care of in that stadium. I I don't need you going to some party deck, getting distracted, not knowing what's going on in the game. I need your throat. I need you making noise. I need you helping out the defense. I need some crowd assists in here. This party deck is going to be bad news. At the Sabres game that we were just watching while recording, there was a point where I saw the fans doing the wave. Oh, no, thank you. While the game was going on, now you're taking this concept of everything that I hate about the wave and every everything that I find disrespectful about the wave. You're going to send these fans to a party deck where they don't have to accept any responsibility as being fans in this game. Come on, get these people out of here. Party on your own time. We got business to take care of. We got rings we got to a, win. And if you don't, we got, a, we got trophies to win. That's what I'm saying. We got a team the to party support. Deck, yeah. This party deck is going to be is going to be bad news. It's going to be it's going to be bad news. If, if it is not if in it favor, is, if it is a game, if it's during a game, and the wave busts out on the party deck, Tony is going to lose his mind. I'm going to bur- I'm going to burn that party deck to the ground. I will immolate Your head that might explode. Yeah, there's no oh, there's no goodness. excuse for that. I am not you you got you cannot come to this game thinking oh yeah and I'll just go hang out on the party deck 
and not pay attention to the game, then give your ticket to someone who's going to contribute. I agree. I agree. We need every voice, as you said, every throat. Yes. Cheering the team mm-hmm. on. Um, yeah, I, I, what, do, do we start a hashtag, Tony? What is it? No party deck? Should we make a Ghostbusters symbol? I'm trying to think. Deck? Yeah, no party. Now that sounds like a good idea. I, I like that. <laughs> that's a t-shirt I can get behind. <laughs> no party deck. No party deck. We're, we're team anti-party deck. Yeah. The party um, deck can be at, uh, at O'Neill's. Yes, right. I'm surprised, like... Actually, they do have a deck. I, I, the, de- the party deck is at O'Neill's. They do have a deck there. Yeah, but it's, like, small. It's not 5,000 people big, right? Good, good. I don't know if O'Neill's can the fit a scourge of the 5, earth. people. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like the scourge of the earth goes uh, the party deck. They can just go to O'Neill's. As long as they have the troughs, I guess. I mean... I do hope know, the it's, troughs it, remain. It's just the tailgate village inside the stadium, which is frustrating, infuriating. Like, we don't, we don't need it. We need people watching the game, cheering on their team, First of all, nobody's partying in negative 10 degree weather. If it's snowing, like that party deck's not going to be insulated. It's outdoor. It's open air, right? For what we know. Oh, so yeah. That's, being, that's my interpretation of it. How is it being utilized in the middle of winter? Like you're telling me I can stand and cheer my team on and have some, some whatever fight in this game. Or I can stand on the party deck and be distracted and freeze my ass off at the same. Like, no, I don't want to be on the party on deck the, for anything. On the, uh, it, on the risk that even if you want to pay attention, maybe you won't even be able to because everyone's just standing. Maybe you get, you know, maybe <laughs> you get no a spot on to the edge, but probably not. Yeah, that's what they should do with the party deck. They should make it levels. They should make it like, you know, like town ballroom, like tiered levels. Just do what the Bison Stadium has in right field. Yeah, I guess that. I guess like, that's better a little bit. Yeah. Maybe still not the vibe I'm going for, but <laughs> the vibe you're going for is no party deck. We've established <laughs> the vibe I'm going for is no partying. You have no to problem. you have to lock into the game, know exactly what's going on. If you want to get a ticket, you have to pass a test on football on your football IQ. I like this. I think there mm-hmm. should be some merits that fans need to hit to be part of the to be part of the experience. That's what I'm saying. We should we should establish this. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Tony, uh, grass field, which I like, which I think Tredavious White probably likes coming off an ACL. Wow, wow, that's ACL injuries on grass fields and turf. So like that it's a grass field, like that at least if it's no dome, it's an overhang. Are you a fan of the personal C licenses? I feel like you're going to have an opinion about this. I don't know. A necessary evil. I don't have a strong opinion about it. I okay. mean, it's because that. I it's. It, does it thinks I'm probably going to be priced out of my seasons? Um, but I mean, what I I, I understand the necessary, but like that's 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 the business right. model of new of these new stadiums. I mean, what do you want? I get it. You know? The executives at Pagula Sports Entertainment did say they understand the market, so that they would price accordingly. Now, do we believe that? Time will tell. But at least they're saying the right things. I guess I don't care. I don't care about personal seat I mean, licenses. I mean, it's fine. It is what it is. As you as you said, it's the business side. We, we, I get it. Yeah, we know the price of doing business. It was obviously going to happen. So here we are. Uh, do you like that it's in Orchard Park and not downtown? Yes, I was a. I am a pro Orchard Park guy, yes. and, and yeah. I think and that that was clear. I think in every indication that the Bills received is that fans wanted an Orchard Park. Fans looked at the tailgating situation as sacred, and that tailgating 
situation had to remain, had to, right. non-negotiably. And uh, and I can certainly understand that. I mean, there are, you know, families that have tailgating traditions and friends that have tailgating traditions that are brought together generation after generation. I can understand why um, it's viewed as, as a sacred cultural thing and that it has to stay. And I I'm glad that the Pagulas listened to that, even though, you know, they were planning, I think, for both scenarios. Yes, I am. I am in favor of that. I'm in favor of I'm not. In, I, I was never in favor of uh, transforming a neighborhood downtown. Via, right. That, that via so I think was a big thing. Right. Obviously, if the stadium went downtown, people would have to be relocated. Housing districts would go down. Right. Like, I don't think that was ever in the cards for the Pagulas. Um, I don't think they I don't think they could afford that bad PR, honestly. Right. That's, that's so, a good point. I, I mean, they were booted night at RJ night. So. Yeah. I, I thought, I always thought it would go in, in, back in Orchard Park. I'm glad it is. Uh, you're right. I think you hit all the points. The tailgating is sacred. Obviously, that was a huge sticking point um, for the Pagulas and the fans. So, obviously, Orchard Park, large swath of land for tailgating. Um, it's, I, I we're getting a new stadium. I, I didn't think it would ever happen. I thought they'd just keep putting a fresh coat of paint on the Ralph um, mm-hmm. because of, as I mentioned, the third oldest stadium in the league. And it seems like with those old stadiums, whether it be Arrowhead or Soldier Field or Lambeau, or they just kind of, they don't, they don't want to demolish it because of the history it holds and the legacy it has and the significance it holds in the community. And they just kind of, you know, put a fresh coat of paint on it, as I said. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm happy we're getting a new stadium. It, it's super cool. Um, I'm glad I won't won't have to sit in the 300s and worry about it collapsing, um, as I'm sure all fans in the next three years will be worried about that. That seems to be like something that could very well happen based on these architectural reports. Like if I was I a would fan so. of the three, I would, if I was a fan of the 300 level at any time in the next three years, I would be very worried about that thing collapsing at any moment. I'm not going to lie. As someone who has seasons in the 300 level, I it, it crosses my mind multiple times a game. And then it crosses my mind, I was like, well, and then as I'm looking across the field to the other 300 level, I just think, well, I hope it's them and not us. <laughs> Which one will go soon? I mean, that's that's the bet that the sports book should get in on is, will the sunny side or the dark side collapse first? That is a good bet. What if you were on the side that didn't, like, if you were witnessing it collapse, would, would you just be in shock and awe or would you, like, run for the parking lot? Uh, I would say I would I would be working to get out of there. I would you not want to. just witnessing the other side collapse. Yeah. Like it was, like it was Bane and Batman in the dark night. Kind Hager of, yeah. <laughs> right. And, and Bane crosses my mind every time that I kind of think or talk about this. But yeah, I would say that I would have to get out of there because I would just feel like, well, obviously if that happened, my side is a ticking time bomb. So I got to get out of here. And, and you know, they're going to evacuate the stadium when that happens anyway. Right. So the evacuation is going to be a nightmare. Um, and therefore, Holy I just want to get out as soon as I can. <laughs> right. That is going to be a lot of inebriated fans trying to get out yeah. of and even very, even very as, tight entrances and even as the disaster like this i feel like it was like this year or last year that they started making announcements about if we have to evacuate and my reaction to that every time is well why the hell would he say that like what where did this come from this idea of now we're doing these evacuation announcements seems a little disconcerting like i might have to do this like this could be realistic now i gotta think about this yeah now i gotta think of worry about this exactly 
So worry about I, uh, this party deck. I don't want to worry about evacuating. Oh, don't even. Yeah, the party deck. Jeez. Do you remember when we were young and there was like that string of like college decks collapsing with partiers on top of it? Like with college yes. partying? It was always like a Kenesha. It was always like a Kenesha's house. A balcony fell off the house or something. Right. <laughs> That's what I always think about when we're at our friend Craig's house. Oh, okay. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. <laughs> Every fair. time I'm like, this doesn't seem very architecturally sound. Not that we like crazy party but um yeah not that we're like jumping on it or anything right exactly but sometimes there's a lot of people up there well great now i gotta think about that every time i'm there thanks a lot for that gift (laughs) gift of the halloween Halloween party ruined (laughs) yeah it is ruined tony let's move on to players on the field couple big extensions coming up so thought we could rank five players that i've pinpointed in terms of who should or shouldn't receive an extension or who is the most important in your list to receive an extension? The five players I'm highlighting, Tremaine Edmonds, Jordan Poyer, Devin Singletary, Stefan Diggs, Dawson Knox. Ranking these guys from most important to least important, or least important to most important. We'll start with five and we'll go up to one. What is your list looking like of those five players in terms of who is the least important to extend and who is the most important to extend? So you want me to tell you my five, my number five position? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, start with your number five. Okay, my number five, my least important, is Devin Singletary. I have that as well. I think that, okay, I think that the position of running back could be easily replaceable, just draft someone else. And if we cycle out running backs via the draft, that is something I would certainly understand. Um, I mean, I like Devin Singletary enough, yeah. I guess. Some right now until the first week of the next regular season and when I start flavor new flavor of the month comes along right when the new flavor of the month comes along exactly but that's what I'm saying like we just go with the flavor of the month and and Singletary is not someone I picture being like a huge you know cultural icon in that locker room not like a Ryan Bates no one's like Ryan Bates but you know it's like if we lose and it's like all right we'll we'll figure out we'll figure something else out there's always running backs I like in any given draft there's always running backs out there I think we can figure it out without without Devin Singletary with someone else in there, getting some other talent in there. Yeah, I don't think Devin Singletary is uber important to this team and its structure. I mean, he you said it. He's very good. I like him. I think he's a great depth piece. I think he's a great compliment to Josh. Is he a game breaker? No. Um, is he wildly different than another running back we could find in the draft? Probably not. So... Plus, Brandon Bean hasn't emphasized the running back position throughout his tenure. So I think just like this CB2 position, he's just broke. He's going to rotate running backs in. And I think it'll be tough for a running back on this team, especially with Josh's contract and Josh being the focal point of this offense for a running back to get like a, a significant second contract after their rookie deal. So that's why Devin Singletary is fifth on my list. I like him. I think he's a good player. I think he's a good compliment to Josh in this offense. I just think there's a lot of Devin Singletary type players out there in terms of talent. So um, speaking of running back, speaking of flavors of the month and more so, more specifically, flavors of one preseason game, uh, RIP Christian Wade, by the way, breaking news. Yeah. Released today. <laughs> and we'll never realize our dream, Tony, of an F.A. Obata Christian Wade funny media segment talking british teen crumpets with the british guys kind of interview thing that bill's marketing could have done it will never come to fruition now it's a shame well maybe it will just not with the bills maybe they'll go on the same team 
Oh, that'd be interesting. I think Afe Abada signed with the Washington football, the commanders. Uh, That's what I possibly think. So. Christian Wade ends up there as well. I could see that. Um, yeah, maybe. Who knows? But I think like the most international guy in the Bills now is like Josh Allen from California. <laughs> <laughs> right? uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, you might be right. I can't think of anyone who's like, you know, Samoan or anything. No. Yeah. I mean, re- re- release star, uh, Eli Anku. Oh, maybe. maybe that, Good call. Maybe. Maybe that's maybe that's who we're going with. So Devin Singletary, number five on our list. Number, Tony, number four for you. Well, this is when it starts to get a little bit dicier for me, but I'm going to say what I think is the predictable answer, uh, and that is Tremaine Edmonds. That's who I have as well. That's kind of what I figured. That's why I thought it was the yeah. that's why I thought it was the more predictable answer. But I say that the only thing that worries me about saying that is am I, you know, I, I for many of the same reasons I put in I put Edmonds in there because I think that there's a lot of people who can do what Edmonds does because in this system, Edmonds is not asked to do very much. And for the most part, he holds his own in doing what little is expected of him. Sometimes mm-hmm. he messes up. Is that partially an injury uh, or because of injury that he's like a click behind? That's something we debate all day and have on many of these episodes. But what I worry about is, all right, then all of a sudden Edmonds gets this big extension or Edmonds doesn't get this big extension, I should say. And uh, Leslie Frazier gets hired by another team and we have a new defensive system coming in where the middle linebacker is tremendously more important. And then what are we sort of stuck with? We would have been better off with Edmonds than whoever it was. I'm an Edmonds believer. I think he has abilities that I, I think he has a lot of abilities more so than most. I think that he just has a very simplistic job in this defensive system. And uh, you know, I I respect him where a lot of people don't, but because he has kind of a simple job in this system, then it's the same thing as a running back. We can find someone else who can do the same thing. We can find probably a third rounder who can do the same thing good enough. Possibly. I was very anti-extending Tremaine because of those faults you just mentioned. I mentioned them on many podcasts before. And I didn't think he was worth the money that like his market value was. Like I thought he's way too expensive for what we're getting in return. Fast forward to this week, Bobby Wagner signs with the Rams five years, 50 million. Bobby Wagner's a lot better than Tremaine Edmonds, and that's a pretty mm-hmm. reasonable contract. So now I was originally thinking Tremaine would be in the 13 to 16 range. Like, like a, I think that's what like guys like Darius Leonard are getting. But if you can get, I would even take that same contract, 10 million a year for Tremaine. I, I might be able to get on board with that. Even if it's less, like, again, Tremaine Edmonds is not Bobby Wagner. He's younger. He has more years in this league than... But the production is not even close to the same. Bobby Wagner is more consistently productive than Tremaine is, I think, early in his career here. Um, so if you can get Tremaine in the 8 to 10 range for four more years, like, I would sign up for that, I think. I would take that. Yeah. It's, it's all about, like, cost-effectiveness, yeah. especially with the bills being so thin in the salary cap. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, he, he falls number four on my list as well. Uh, just because of those faults. And I think you're absolutely right. If there's a guy in the draft, and I don't think they draft one this year, maybe in the later rounds they'll draft a linebacker. Maybe they see some potential in, a la an Elvin Bowen, who I saw a lot of potential in that did not, that oh, was not really. I, 
I have a linebacker draft crush too. Who? Uh, well, I don't want to say it because I'm not 100 percent on how okay. his name is, is said. A, but is this Jojo, a past guy? Jojo Doman. Oh, this no, is a current this guy. year. This year, Jojo Doman might be Doman, okay. but man, he just flies around the field, and he's can and he can act as like a he, he's and he's excellent in coverage as well. But yeah. he's just an animal. He's just an animal either way. Get grab him third round. Oh my gosh, I would lose my mind. That, that's a jersey I'll get. Seems like a, kind of like Georgia Domon. Seems like Matt Milano. Well, maybe he's a better Matt Milano. I don't know. But I'm, I, I'm I giving him big line, Matt Milano. Linebacker, linebacker depth is something that I'm kind of looking at. Is I hope we address it, and I hope we address it with JoJo. He's a draft crush of mine for sure. You can never go wrong with a JoJo. JoJo Absolutely. the singer, Casey and JoJo. That's right. Never go wrong with a JoJo. Those are all the JoJos I got in my bank. But JoJo Siwa. That's somebody my daughter likes. So, oh, okay. Never, never met a bad JoJo. That's true. Was there a monkey named JoJo on The Simpsons in the early years? Was there? Was the monkey named JoJo? No, it was. Um, it was. I don't think it was The Simpsons. I think it was. You're gonna make me go in deep into my useless pop culture trivia knowledge here. There was a monkey on. Was it Powerpuff Girls called Mojo JoJo? Oh. If that's who you're thinking of. I don't know. I didn't watch too much Powderpuff Girls. No, I didn't either. I just, I didn't watch any. I just know, again, useless pop culture facts <laughs> for whatever reason. We'll have our researchers look into it. Monkey named yeah. Jojo. Put it uh, in the team. There was a monkey named Coco. We know that, of course. Oh, yeah. You did sign language. Yeah, that chip's all right. High five. Um, Tony, number three. Oh, uh, my number three is Jordan Poyer. Oh, okay. Someone who... I Came hope, in number you know, one on my list. Interesting. Most important. Well, to my extent. theory on Jordan Poyer is that he is uh, he is someone who is this just about Rachel I, Bush? <laughs> no, it's not just about Rachel Bush. Okay. Did I? What did I tell you about her? Oh, that I'm cyberbullying her to block to be blocked. No, it's not You're about blocked. Rachel Bush. Uh, I, I, I accounts of your other block there. <laughs> right, right. I think that there's. Uh, you know, we've been drafting and developing linebackers. So, or I shouldn't say linebackers, but safeties. Um, and I think yeah. the opportunity exists to continue to do that. And Jordan Poyer is not going to be around forever. Safety is a position that, you know, at what point do we start looking at what are the positions going to be that we have staple strongholds in? And what are the positions going to be that we draft the young talent for? And I think that if you're going to say we're going to do it out of three, you know, at least three out of four starting um, or I should even say at least four out of five starting secondary positions. That seems excessive. Jordan Poyer is one I of of anyone on the secondary. I think Jordan Poyer, like I'd rather lose Poyer than Hyde. I would definitely rather lose Poyer than Trey. And I would rather lose Poyer than Taron Johnson. So for that reason, mm, when I was looking at the list, and I, I really and I really toiled over that. But when I looked at the list, I'm like, yeah, I mean, somewhere along the line in the secondary, how much are we going to put into the secondary with as these veterans become more and more veteran and as these veterans make sort of a better reputation for themselves and for their thereby for their price by being on a defensive unit that's continually number one. You got to make tough points. choices. And yeah, you got to make tough choices. And I think Jordan Poyer is the tough choice that I would be, uh, that I would feel like if I had to choose one, I'm going to choose Jordan Poyer. Yeah, I could totally see it. Uh, he's 30 years old, just turned 30 years old. But, you know, this is probably going to be his last contract. He probably has, you know, 
five good years left at safety. We just saw mm-hmm. a guy in Malcolm Jenkins retire from safety after, well, how old is he? Usually he's got to be in his mid-30s, right? Yeah, he's 34, just retired. So, I mean, most safeties don't play past 35, I'd imagine. But Jordan Poyer is anything since joining the Bills. He's consistent, consistently has over 90, typically triple-digit tackles. First All-Pro nod this past season, five interceptions this past season, three sacks. I just think Jordan Poyer is like, see, if you ask me, like, choose between Hyde and Poyer, like, I would rather choose Poyer because I think he does so much in this defense, not only in pass, but also in the box in run so which Hyde is more of the center fielder obviously Hyde's uber important to this defense I love Hyde but he's more of the center fielder you saw it in the the Patriots playoff game making that incredible play like I don't think Poyer makes that play but that's not his role I just think Poyer just wears so many hats on this defense I think you kind of have to extend him and I like the young guys I like Jaquan Johnson I like Damar Hamlin but I think it's going to take years for them to get to where Poyer is talent wise understanding of the defense wise production wise so i think he got to extend poyer that's why he came number one on my list as most important guy to extend because i think he's one of the most important guys on this defense oh i think he's one of the most important guys on the defense but i think that the important guys on the defense has to evolve yeah and it huh. does evolve over time yeah we both made good points this is a good podcast I, thank you i'm <laughs> glad you could join us yeah. Glad you can be a part of it, Tony. Uh, Tony, number two. Let's wrap uh, it up. My number two, and I do feel like this is kind of a risky one because it's maybe a, you know, has he shown us enough? But I'm going to say Dawson Knox. Oh, he was number three and for me. Two. And I'm saying, yeah. okay. And I'm saying, I'm saying Dawson Knox because I think it is important that we have that. And maybe I'm just scolded because like the Bills, you know, haven't had like we don't have in our lifetimes a big tradition of having really good tight ends. So Won't you I think put that really on Robert great. Royal. <laughs> so I think it's really great that uh, we have one now and I'm looking at this offense and I would say like I, you know, on a team that has that we look to as having as, and is going to have the number one offense and the number one defense, which one of those do you take more pride in? For me, I take more pride in having the number one offense. Okay. So I want to maintain that. And when we look back on this era, when we look back on when we're telling our kids about this new generation of glory days, who is, or maybe our grandkids, when we're telling our grandkids about this new generation of glory days, who are we going to talk about? Because I hear a lot more about the offensive weapons. The offensive weapons are in the crew of glory days. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelso is like not really as a safety, so or as some of these other positions. Like if we have right. a cool, if we have a a nice tight end, like, and if Dawson Knox continues to be that, yeah, I would, I would rather extend him. I would rather have him be a fixture. I would like him to be a fixture uh, and another weapon and another outlet that's going to help our offense continue to thrive and be the envy of the league, be fearsome, drive fear into everybody else. So I you think, think like Dawson send Dawson Knox, and it's and it's going to be cheaper than a lot of other of yeah. these positions. No, not if he becomes like Kelsey Kittle level, but. Why not be as cheap okay. as we, oh, we hope? Oh, twist my arm. Twist my arm. <laughs> Threaten me with a good time over here that Dawson Knox becomes tra- Travis Kelsey. Jeez. <laughs> oh, the, we, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you think we elevate Dawson Knox to more than he is because, as you mentioned, the history of Bills at the tight end position is not anything 
too spectacular. I mean, who's the best tight end in Bill's history? Jane Reversma? Mm. Ramiersma? Pete Metzlars? is what I was thinking. Scott and... Chandler? <laughs> Don't joke with me. Because in my heart, it was Scott Chandler. Like when you first right. asked. Right. I, I right. mean, that I, I could go there first. Robert Royal. I'm, <laughs> Charles Glick. Um, Mark Campbell. No, uh, but just because we've never seen a elite tight end or even somebody who's probably good at the tight end position or not great, do you think we over-evaluate Dawson Knox because of that? Or do you think he's actually really good and can elevate himself to the Travis Kelsey type of player, type of level, I should say, uh, eventually? I think both and neither. I, th- I don't think he's ever going to be Travis Kelsey. Let's not go crazy. No. But I do think that he can be uh, like a fixture in the league of, of when you run down the tight ends you have to worry about. Can Dawson Knox be one of them? I, I think yes. So, okay. I like it. D- yeah. yeah good, he, definitely good enough to keep around. Definitely good enough to be oh, yeah. a, a fixture on the Bills. Like I, it, to me, this is a list of like, who do you want to take the ride with? And right. if you have to choose, and if you have to make tough decisions, who do you not want to be along this ride with you? I want Dawson Knox to be on this ride with us. I want a really good tight end. I want a tight end like him to be on this ride with us. Agree. And I also feel like this list is also who does Josh want to be on the ride with as well. Uh, You're number one, my number two, Josh's number one receiver, Stefan Diggs. Mm. Feel like this This is tough. Was this a tough one for you? I feel like you have to. This is a really tough one for me. I look at somebody like the, the Saints and like, literally restructuring everyone's contract of significance. Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Ryan Ramchick, what like any one of the saints on the roster with significance, uh, they restructure their contract in a salary bonus. So it's something probably every team in the league will do. You can restructure Josh's contract. You're going to keep Stefan Diggs. <laughs> like you traded for him. He was, I feel like the floodgates opening in terms of, okay, we're going for this. Like, this is our mark in terms of, or this is our moment in terms of putting the league on notice that we're for real and we're going for a Super Bowl. We have what we think is a franchise quarterback at the time. Now we have an elite receiver to complement that. You you (laughs) have to extend them. I I know you have the mentality, you've mentioned before, of like, Josh will just make anyone good. And I, I believe that as well. But I mean, you did so much to get digs. You can't just let them go in three years later. My thought process was, I was of two minds about this. And that's what made it tough because I'm thinking, how are we to approach this list? How am I going to approach this list? Is this list, like, how much am I putting money into this list? Because Stefan Diggs is going to be incredibly expensive in the way that uh, the wide receiver market went this soft season. So am I thinking, ooh, is it going to be worth it? For, is it Economically, is it going to be worth it for Stefan Diggs? Should I put him at five like, and just say, well, I'd rather have the other four or I'd rather have you know, a slew of other people to pay for instead of paying this exuberant amount of money for Stefan Diggs? Or am I just taking money out of it, saying Bean is a mathematical wizard, the cap doesn't exist, I, I want Stefan Diggs on my team. And then I started thinking every contender this year and then some, that's the way the league is, is, is going and has gone. Every contender has had like, a stud star wide receiver. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, well, if that's the model of today's NFL, if that's what it takes, then we're not getting rid of Stefan Diggs. You're right. Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Tariq Hill, like every team who is mm-hmm. in the conversation for a Super Bowl has an upper echelon 
stud receiver. Yeah, Devontae uh, Adams. And ours, right. Devontae Adams, exactly. So, um, yeah, and Josh needs a Call of Duty running mate. Obviously, he can't lose that. So, uh, that is Stefan Diggs. He's been fantastic mm-hmm. since he's joined the Bills back to back, thousand plus yard seasons. Um, I think it's the first time ever, right? Did Andre do it? Stevie did it. Uh, did Stevie do it? Stevie had back to back thousand yard seasons. Did he? Maybe it was a hundred catch seasons then. I thought Diggs was the first yeah, one. That might have been it. That might have been it. But Stefan Diggs, uber important. Awesome, awesome player, of course. Elite route runner, just a crucial piece. Fantastic social media presence. It's fantastic. He really has been like on one in social media right lately. <laughs> like really yeah. getting you to think about his tweets. They're very mm-hmm. they're unintentionally cryptic, which bothers me. Like I don't, I don't, I don't think he's doing anything like nefarious or malicious. Like in terms of his relationship with the Bills, I think he's just, I think he's just, I don't want to say trolling because I don't think that's it. I think he's just kind of being Stefan Diggs, having a good being, time. The, being yeah. the guy who the Vikings locker room said would never let date their daughter. Like I think he's <laughs> just being Stefan Diggs. So and 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 stud family feud player, very good family feud player. Mm-hmm. As always, we need that, of course. And Von Miller. Now we have a we have an elite family feud team. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, it's is good. Stephon Diggs is Stephon Diggs more important to the real Bills team or to the hypothetical family feud Bills team? <laughs> That's an argument. On a, for... on a who else would you want on a on a Bills family feud team? So two spots are locked in: Stephon Diggs and Von Miller. Okay. Who else are you put in there? Uh, I'm definitely putting Josh, just because I think he's very like. I think he's very chameleon-like in terms of like he can play to the the jokes of Steve Harvey, and he can also give like a very good answer to a question. Like I feel like Josh has to be in there. I'm trying to think of like personalities. See, like like a guy like Ed Oliver, I feel like would be too quiet. Maybe I'll put Rousseau in there. Oh, because I feel like the name Rousseau like just equates with being smart. (laughs) Um, So I got Diggs, Miller, Von Miller, Josh Allen. Gregory Rousseau. And then I'm going to go Dawson Knox because I think he plays well off the media as well. Like he has that clip that we have in our intro of him and was it Michelle Tafoya in the Thanksgiving game where he's, oh, uh, where she says okay, like, yeah, your, like your, your wrist still yeah. looks, still looks uh, swollen. He's like, Oh, thanks for that. Appreciate it. Makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's, that's my five. So you have Diggs, Vaughn, Miller, who are your remaining three? Well, I'm definitely putting Trey in there. Trey is one of the most that's a good call too, yeah. improvisers around town so i'm definitely getting trey in there i think i want reed ferguson in there because i like it yeah family feud is you know we surveyed 100 americans reed ferguson knows america (laughs) reed ferguson is is a different is a different kind of american he's going to bring a different perspective and that i feel like reed ferguson's perspective those are the kind of people that uh that are answering family feud surveys so i want reed ferguson in there and then for my fifth spot, uh, for my fifth spot, I think I'm just gonna put in. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to another special teamer. I'm gonna put in Matt Hat. Oh Hall. god, your list because immediately became trash. not credible. <laughs> well, my impression of Matt Hawk is that he's just having a good time and is along for the ride, and that's what I feel like every fifth seat Family Feud player is. If you're at the right. end of the table like that. You're just along for the ride, having a good time. Like it's always someone's like, "Hey, here's my father-in-law's neighbor, who somehow we decided can also be on the team." My cousin, and, I haven't uh, spoken to in three years. <laughs> right, right. It's always it's always like 
there's four people that are clearly like truly, you know, united by their familiness. And then there's like, you know, an in-law somehow snuck their way (laughs) onto the team. So in that spirit, I'm just going to get Matt Hawk in there. All right. I like (laughs) that is our family feud all-star team for the bills. Tony, what do you say we wrap it up though? Let's put this baby to bed. Put this baby to bed. Quick word from our sponsor. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but my drink is so delightfully cold thanks to Traveling Growler. And since we know place to go, keep it cold, keep it cold, keep it cold with a Traveling Growler koozie. Koozie starting at just $5. Check out www.travelinggrowler.com today. And now back to the Thank show. Thank you, of course, to our sponsor, Traveling Growler, www.travelinggrowler.com. Koozies starting at just $5. They got you covered with bottles, cans, growlers cool designs check out the website www.travelinggrowler.com we got a funny apparel store i say t-shirt store but we have more than t-shirts we have hoodies we have sweatshirts we have long sleeves we have tanks we can find us on teespring.com that's t-e-e spring.com search witty not funny support the podcast with our apparel uh t-shirts starting at just twenty dollars much better than some other t-shirt outlets out there that are more expensive you're not getting a funny design or a witty design as you would in our apparel store. Check it out, though. Teespring.com. Search Witty Not Funny. All one word. Where to find the podcast. You can find the podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network at Built in Buffalo underscore on Twitter. Search Witty Not Funny. All one word as well. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podcast Addict, wherever you're finding podcasts to listen to for free. If this is your first time listening. We greatly appreciate you checking us out. We always like to say whether you give us two minutes or two hours of your time, greatly appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you. Tony, Twitter handles, where can the listeners find you? You can find me on the bird at Tony J. Ambrose. The bird app. And you can find the podcast at Woody Sports 716. Give us a follow. We love following back, connecting with Bill's Mafia, Saber Swords people, trademark pending, (laughs) the Buffalo sports community out there. Give us a follow. Show us some love. We'll show it right back. Uh, Tony, that's all I have other than a send-off for the listeners. What do you got? Listeners, stay off the party deck. You've been warned. We've. This is a four-year warning. <laughs> stay yeah. off the party deck. Stay you have four years to get deck. your mental state right that you will not go on that party deck. Um, Tony, I'm just going to say... Uh, Top shelf for Mama Hides the Cookies in honor of RJ, in honor of Rick Generats. Great one. I feel like that's like his fam- most famous one. I feel like it became like a like a something that was used in everyday speech in in Western New York. It's like, oh, can you grab me that pot up there? And he's like, oh, where top shelf for Mama Hides the Cookie? Like that just seemed to be like an everyday speech, and it turned into Rick Generat, of course, many many moments like that. So we always say, go Bills. Stay witty out there, everyone. Thanks, Rick Generat, for 51 amazing Sabres years. And that's it. Peace. Bye. Bye. Marshawn is a fresher breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love eating it. Most of you guys. It kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank you for that. Stitching, you got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Go. Uh, Stay focused. Um, Work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It feels a ball.
your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network.